Yo, what's up? It's Tiernan here. Hopefully you're enjoying the podcast so far. Just a little heads up. Throughout this podcast, we were having audio issues with myself and Matthew. However, we sort of got to sort it, sort off. Uh, for a good 15-20 minutes, the audio might sound a bit off. You can still understand us, but there will be a second or two second delay between the questions and the answers and between when me and Matthew trying to have a conversation. Please bear with me. It was a matter that we didn't know this until later on in the podcast and it was fixed then. So hopefully you do enjoy the podcast and hopefully, um, yeah, enjoy. You know. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 3 of T-Doc Talks. My name is Tiernan and on today's episode we're going to touch on the, a little bit of strongman, bodybuilding and a little bit of the supplement use in both of them. On today's episode we have Mr. Matthew McKeegan, also known as MK Fitness. Matthew, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody listening? Hi Tiernan, thanks for having me on. Uh, so as Tiernan said, my name is Matthew. I uh, started a career about 6 or 7 years ago in bodybuilding. I've recently switched over to Strongman, and I am also a personal trainer and an online coach. Perfect. Now, the first question, how did you get started in your bodybuilding career? When I was younger, I was always heavily involved in sports, like football, uh, cricket, badminton, played played loads of sports at high level, representing the country and the county for a few sports. I was just always involved in sports, and then when I was around 16 or 17, uh, playing football at a decent standard uh, ended up getting a pretty bad injury and breaking my ankle and tearing some ligaments uh, so there wasn't really much I could do then for a while because uh, I wasn't on my feet when I got back to when I recovered then from that well I say recovered it was, it was basically never really able to play football the same again or any of those other sort of high impact sports where you're running about and that sort of thing so uh, I went down to Extreme Gym, the first gym I was ever in my life. One of my mates played rugby. Uh, his uncle was a bodybuilder and he trained there. Uh, went down to Extreme to do a session. Seen all these pictures on the walls, all these big, massive, huge, muscly men. Seen guys in the gym lifting crazy weights and stuff and just looked around and said, well, fuck me, I wouldn't mind looking like that and I wouldn't mind being able to lift that stuff. And here I am now and my pictures are on the walls and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> As I to say, I was on that a long ago, and your pictures on the wall now, so does. Yeah, uh, so it's nice. It's nice to be able to look back and look up at you know when I was younger, and I looked, I looked up to those big, huge, strong guys in the gym, and now there's younger guys in the gym, and obviously look up to me and come to me for coaching and stuff. So it's it's a nice feeling, like it's overwhelming to look around and see your picture on the wall behind guys you look up to still. Yeah. Um. See, when someone approaches you, or you talk to somebody on the street or whatever, and you have a conversation, and you tell them you do bodybuilding as your sport say as a hobby well not as a uh-huh. hobby as a sport mm-hmm. what is their initial reaction do they laugh at you for it and ask you why are you doing it uh, I think I think they're still like I think that scene has became like a lot more popular shows and stuff have became more popular over the years more so yeah. though I think still like fitness and physique shows like the guys that wear shorts and look sort of you know like models like those sort of good looking guys and stuff I think bodybuilding though it's still like I don't know it's like a very closed community. When they see you though, when you're so big and like abnormal looking, not to say I'm there's guys a lot bigger than me, but yeah. I think people they can't understand like especially if you're dieting for show. Before I started personal training, I worked in like an insurance place in a call center, and the people around you are always like, why why do you eat all that food and why do you train that way and 
why do you do this? And they, they, they don't really understand why you do it. Like, <coughs> but in a, in a sense, it's a sort of like a personal achievement for yourself to be able to get your body under that chip. Well, I think that's one. Of, if you if you weren't massive interest, I don't know if you were passionate about the sport. It's bodybuilding's a sport you can't really just you can't really just go and take a notion to do it. You have to be obsessed and really love it and enjoy it because it's too hard just to sort of half-ass it. It's, you know, it's probably one, doing a show is probably one of the hardest experiences you'll ever go through as a sports person. Personally, I think, bar maybe the looks uh, like fighting and stuff, there's there's probably, there's probably not many other sports either that's so demanding on the human body when it comes to like training, the diet, and even the mental yeah. side of things. So it's, it's one of them things, like you have to really love it. And looking back now, like, um, I don't know how many shows I did, 10, 12, 13, did a, a load of shows like, and that did, did pretty well, I suppose, and I wouldn't be such a successful coach or personal trainer without it, but looking back now that I don't bodyboard anymore, I sort of look back now and say to myself sometimes, what the, the fuck are you doing? All that sacrifice <laughs> for a few trophies, like, it's, it's I, don't, I don't know, it's it's great for the guys that make it to the top and get huge sponsors and get paid and stuff, but it's so it's, it's hard to come to terms with sometimes what you, what you want through for what you receive and they, they, they end like. Yeah, um, you changed over from bodybuilding to strongman, but before you changed mm-hmm. over, you have a list of accomplishments from PCA Ireland, PCA British and NABA. Yeah. Um, how did that mental take, take effect on you when you were prepping for shows? Because you were going for that, that many. Well, it took, I remember my first show, uh, my first show, uh, Jeez, many years ago was that? I think it was 2000, must be 2000. No, it was way before that. Was it? 2014, I think my first show was. A place like Fath or Six, that's why it's not on my list of achievements, because it had so bad. Oh, that's <laughs> under. It was, it was like 21, so it was NABA, it was 21 or 20, it was NABA, NABA Junior, I think it was 20. And I approached Noel Smith, he's another coach in the gym. Uh, at the time, Noel was really massive under the show prep and stuff as well, so I approached him and he agreed to prep me for the show and stuff. Man, the first the first like two months went so amazing. Didn't break my diet once. Trained so hard, uh, and I was getting in such really good shape. And any time there was a picture posted on social media, man, the picture blew up, and everyone was like, "This guy is going to do so well," and blah blah blah. And then I remember Easter came around, and I had went to the shop for man something like something silly like broccoli and spinach or something. And I was at, I was at the till, and there's all these caramel eggs and stuff there. The caramel eggs is like my favourite thing ever. And up until that point, I must. I hadn't missed anything like and I just remember saying to myself, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a caramel egg. And then my partner at the time wanted some stuff back and her mum, so we brought back some sweets and chocolate and shit. And man, I had one caramel egg and geez, I did not stop eating the whole night. And after <laughs> that then, I think I just got so ahead of myself because people were telling me I looked so well. Yeah. I was I started breaking my diet every weekend and I still looked decent like, but when I when I rocked up to the show I still thought I looked great. And man, when I was backstage and the rest of them guys stood beside me, fuck me, I looked like shit. So that was like that was a massive lesson for me to you know to really show what it takes to get to that level. Yeah, I think even that, it took it took me like two or three shows to really to really nail my condition and everything else before I actually won. I think it was like four or five shows before I actually won a show. So was the first one you won PCA Ireland Juniors? That was my first. That's the first and only show I've ever won. Every like I've came I've came fifth, fourth, third, third, second. Second and then first, man, it's top three all the time. But first place always, always just missed it. And then, like the British finals, I progressed on the British finals that year. Things were going really well. Brian Hickey was prepping me, man. Things were really on point. Uh, like a week out, 
it looked really, really good. And again, social media was blowing up. And people were confident it would do well. And I remember fucking about that week then with diuretics. And I'd never really used diuretics before properly. And I didn't have much experience with them. And I remember reading stuff online about like electrolytes, sodium, potassium, all this stuff, and water and diuretics and what to do. So I tried finding about all this stuff that week to try and make myself look that bit better. And I was getting better and getting better and getting better. And I remember the show was on Sunday. I woke up on Thursday. And I stripped off. And when I was holding that much water, I couldn't even see my abs. I gained like six kilos of water overnight somehow. Uh, and that, that was it. Like, I couldn't... I remember trying to work, work through it again until like the Saturday and I got to Birmingham and I remember just standing in the hotel room and I just looked and I was like fucking hell six months it's just been ruined in two days and I went on stage I shouldn't have went on I shouldn't even have gone on stage because I didn't even place top 10 uh, and I just remember coming off stage into the auditorium my partner ripped me and I just falling to my knees and just breaking into tears it was just distraught yeah because all the hard work for the last couple of months was undone in the last couple of days and eh? luckily undone by man a few tablets and a few injections it was just it was just so stupid like it's as it haven't have, I didn't haven't touched a diuretic and like that since uh but I it was it was one of them things like because nothing actually went wrong as such with the prep it's just one stupid decision uh like in the sense of working hard and dieting was probably the first time ever I had committed and put my heart and soul into everything for it to be ruined in two days. To know I should have been up there doing you know, chasing top three at least, like never mind yeah. trying to win. So that was was disgusting like it was the worst feeling ever. Was <coughs> was it two or three years ago, correct me if I'm wrong here, and your bodybuilding, you were in hospital the week before, do I believe? And then the day off the show you personally got or signed yourself out of the hospital to go compete in the show, am I right? I, not not my smartest moment. Uh, I was a Saxon class uh, in England. I think it was the uh, it was the same year. One was junior Ireland. I was the same year. I got the British finals. Uh, so I went there um, like, ten, like eight days before the show. Uh, one of my sons at the time had meningitis, uh, and I'd fell really ill. I just but I just thought it was like a really bad flu. I was lying on the sofa that morning. At, and I was so warm, like the sweat was gushing out of me, I couldn't even lift my head off the sofa. And I says to my partner, something's not right here. Like this is I'm not this is not a flu. So we rang the doctors and uh, she took me up to out hours and the doctor looked at me and asked me about what am I doing, what am I taking and stuff and that have gone through that. You got some blood test on and he decided you must have meningitis the same way your son does. So get rushed to well he says to me, Can you make your own way to hospital? I says I don't feel too bad. I get in the car and my partner can drive me over. And I remember just standing up in the waiting area and just collapsing over. And I was literally, literally couldn't even stand up. So I had to get rushed to the hospital ambulance. They put me hooked up to all these machines and stuff. Turned out it was my liver enzymes were absolutely through the roof. And the main issue was my temperature was so high. I think when they signed me in the hospital, my temperature was like 44 degrees. So it was a massive risk of like taking a risk, a risk of taking like a heart attack or uh, yeah. a stroke or something like that they were saying. Uh, so that was the main issue once they get my temperature back down I just remember them putting me in a drip and stuff and my only concern was like I have a shoulder in six days here I was like can't be in hospital on a fucking drip and they gave me all this medication and stuff and I, I remember asking that the only thing I worried about was is this going to make me hold water is this going to make me hold water and I can't train I can't do nothing so my partner sneak in all my food for the show and <laughs> like I was in hospital because all this stuff and she was still sneaking in my food and all my gear and all this mad stuff 
but basically then a nurse came in and said to me, basically, well, so I went to back around with temperatures down. She says, look, you're, I says, can I go home? I'm a shoulder dude. She says, look, it's up to you if you want to take yourself home or not. Uh, she says, oh, but I recommend you stay. And I was like, right, I'm going home then. She says, we're going to have to sign this disclaimer. So I signed it. And she says, what are you going to do if you end up in the hospital again? When you're in Birmingham? I says, well, I'll do my show in Birmingham. I'm going to go to the hospital then. So that's what happened. I ended up going to Birmingham. What was it in Birmingham? I can't remember. It was Manchester. Was it Manchester? Sort of beside Manchester. And the show was actually the best I ever ended up looking. However, I pulled it back, I don't know. And I ended up getting absolutely robbed and coming fifth. And at worst, I literally should have came second. I remember posting stuff going on social media, and there's a few top pros, and I'm going to even commented in the, the feed to say how that guy didn't win his mental like. So, for to go through that sacrifice and do that, and to be misplaced was, was horrible. Yeah, I would say it was a kick in the teeth. Just when you mentioned social media, um, nowadays more fitness people are becoming obsessed with the social media side of the bodybuilding and strongman. Of becoming like Instagram famous, all that there sort of bullshit there. But uh-huh. how, how do you feel that affects the person? Uh, I think, I think social media is it's good. It's good in a way for the fitness industry, and it's good for like I suppose without social media, I wouldn't have any sponsors or have the help that I do, and nobody else would. Uh, so it's a good way it's been a good way of getting the, the sport out there and promoting the sport especially like bodybuilding and strongman and stuff because they weren't really very popular before so social yeah. media has helped that at the same time there's a lot of bullshit that gets posted online uh, like a lot of lies um, like guys claiming to be natural uh, girls natural. Yeah. girls going to drink fucking skinny tea to look the way they look uh and then just, just the, the, the fake persona a lot of these people have, which is, again, then I think can affect people looking up to them mentally because they look at these people and probably think their lives are amazing when in reality, their lives probably aren't that great. Like you see a lot of these top bodybuilders that are sponsored and stuff, but a lot of these guys are actually making that much money. They get free stuff, free supplements and free clothes and that, but when it comes to actual paying their bills and loving their lives, they're probably, they're probably not that happy as such. So uh, it's... It's good, but uh, there's a lot of negatives. A lot of negatives there as well, I suppose. See, when you mentioned that uh, one of your children had meningitis, mm-hmm. what would your opinion be? See, if uh, one of your a child turned around and said, "Daddy, I want to compete in bodybuilding," would you push them towards that sense, or would you try and keep them away from it? Uh, well, my kids, like my oldest son at the minute, just over the age of four. Um, so I think all that stuff's a long way away for me. But if when it comes to it, man, it's if one of the kids comes to me and says to me, you want to be a bodybuilder, a strongman, or a fucking a space, a space cadet, man, if they want to do it, if that's going to make them happy, you're not going to stop with them anyway. So if the more you try and turn them against it, I think the more they probably want to do it. Because when I was really young, my parents, like I, I started using anabolic steroids and stuff when I was like 18 or 19, and my parents have been finding that stuff. Um, my gym bag and my bedroom and stuff and it was so against it like um, and I, here I'm still doing it like so if, if I'd, ra- I'd rather support them and teach them how to do things right rather than rather than have them hurt themselves or get stupid the way I did and do it like behind your back sort of thing as well I'd like, I'd like them to think they can come to me and sort of speak to them about anything when they're older and yeah. uh, if that's what they want to do that's what they want to do I don't, I don't care what it is uh, they're going to do it anyway so if they're happy they're happy and that's it like 
fair point. But see, you just touched on uh, you were taking drugs at a young young age. Um, what what is the dangers you feel of young people who join the gym and want to take drugs right away? Say if someone came up to you in the gym, they were about 17, 18, and they asked you for drugs. Would you try and push them away from it? Or what would your... Man, there's tons of... There's tons of people contact me every week on social media and there's loads of clients that'll ask me about using antibiotics and fat burners and all. And the first thing I'll do is try and put them off it and tell them not to use it. Like, in my opinion, see, unless you're looking to compete at a competitive level or bodybuilding or strongman or powerlifting or whatever, there's really no need to be using antibiotics or any performance enhancers because you're just... You're putting your health at risk just for the sake of wanting to look a bit better. Um, I think, of course, they can be used safely, but... It's knowing how to use them safely. I think that's the major problem is people don't actually know how to use them and they're not educated <coughs> on how to use them. And they just take advice off some guy in the gym that looks great. Now, and there's loads of guys I know, even in the gyms I go to, that look really well. But when you start talking to them about anabolic steroids or about this and that, man, they're absolutely clueless. And the stuff they tell me they're doing, man, just blows my fucking mind. Like, yeah, uh, so, they don't go to gallery, yeah. I think the main danger is just like lack of education around this stuff. Um, but then again, in the bodybuilding sense and the lack of education, the money that people, that athletes spend to get themselves into show condition, free prep on things like food, drugs, supplements and all. Like I know a guy, I'm not going to name him in case he doesn't want to be named, but I'll keep him away from it. I know he, he spends around two, three grand a month on stuff like anabolic steroids and all. Man, I'd well believe it. Like, uh, Obviously, a lot of my stuff gets sponsored now. Uh, even like last year, there's a, a company sponsored my stack and stuff as well. Uh, again, for legal reasons, I can't name them. I can't name why they sponsor me or whatever. But basically, all my stuff was free. And if I was to add up all the stuff I was taking for them shows last year, yeah, growth hormone, trend, fucking all the tablets, pharmaceutical fat burners and thyroid enhancers and stuff, Oh man, easy fifteen hundred pounds, two hundred two grand a month. That would have cost me to buy that stuff, like because uh, like a kind of a kind of proper growth hormone alone, you can get stuff here for like a hundred quid and stuff. But proper, proper, proper growth hormone, you're talking two hundred, two hundred fifty pound a kit, and that's only going to last you for three weeks. Like, if, if you want to be success, like really successful in the world of bodybuilding, and you were buying the proper stuff, you would be spending a couple of grand easy a month. On supplements to make yourself look again. Supplements never. I think I think you can do it, <clears throat> but a lot less. Like there's guys that get in top shape and take a lot less and spend a lot less. But man, uh, I you can't spend a lot of money. Do you need to actually spend a lot of money? Like I, I don't know if that's true. Like, but uh, there definitely can be a lot of money spent. <coughs> well, um, so just now you head towards the strongman area because you have a competition now coming up very soon. The yeah. Ireland's strongest man. What date was that exactly? Uh, 27th and uh, 28th of April. So this podcast will be going up on the 29th. So this podcast will be going up after the Ireland's. Right. How do you uh-huh. feel now? I've seen your group that you're in. How do you feel with the group <coughs> that you were given? And... Uh, uh. Uh, strongman is one of the things that really, it's just like bodybuilding, I'm trying not to think about <coughs> who's competing against me because it's not really within your control, as long as you go and give your 100%, that's all you can do. Uh, there's, there's guys there I know who compete and there's guys I know under no circumstances will I beat that at all because it's open weight, so I compete under 105 usually. Yeah. Uh, 
There's a few guys there, like Pat O'Dwyer's UK champion, Sean O'Hagan, a seven foot, weighs 200 kilos. So just it's physically and naturally, he's always going to be stronger than me. I'll never be, well, I'll never say never, but I'll, it'll be a long time before I consider competing competitively in the open class. But it's not something I'll ever back down from. And I'll always try my best like to, to give it a go. How do you feel like your prep has been so far for this competition? Well, I only got contacted there about 10 days ago, so, like... Oh, so it's only really starting it's, it's, it's all been very last minute, but in fairness, like, the day one events suit me pretty well. There's a max deadlift, so I'm pretty confident I can finish top five in the max deadlift. Uh, there's a tire flip, 400 kilo tire for reps and 60 seconds, so I'm not too bad at that. And then a car deadlift hold. So I think day one... Uh, day one should suit me pretty fine. Like, day two is where the, the real trouble starts, to be fair. What events is day two hold? Uh, well, day two there's a monster dumbbell. It's ninety kilos. Uh, my max is seventy. So, f- fuck if I even get a ninety kilo dumbbell to my shoulder, I'll be happy. The yoke there's a four hundred and thirty kilo yoke, so that's more than four times my body weight. Uh, take that for ten meters, and there's a three hundred and fifty kilo ankle 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 drag. Uh, a sandbag throw, so sand five different sandbags getting heavy each time, throwing it over a. 11-foot bar, and then stone, stone run. So I think the, the throwing bag thing and the stones will not be too bad, but the first day will just kill me. Like Day one plays your strength because, am I right in saying you pulled the Irish deadlift record for your weight? Yeah, under 105 Irish deadlift record, yeah. And what's, how heavy was that exactly? Because I just don't remember off the top of my head now. So the official record's 352.5 kilos, and then two weeks ago I broke it again in the gym and left it 355. Uh, should have left, left it a lot more, 360 kilos definitely, or more than that, which I will do at the end of June at Irish Muscle Power, but I had to win a 355. Would you Would you go for 355 and the Ireland's in a couple weeks' time? Well, the Ireland's in a couple weeks' time, there's no suits allowed, uh, so it'll be completely raw, straps only, so... Uh, I'd say without a suit man I'd be doing well to pull 330 or 340 to be fair because even though a lot of guys say suits don't help and stuff suits definitely do help if you're equipped they do help but it's not even that if you've been training with a suit for so many months without a suit uh, the way you deadlift with or without a suit is totally different so if you were to like, there's guys that'll lift without suits and they'll say oh, if I lift with a suit on I'll, I'll lift this or lift that man it takes you a good six weeks to get used to actually deadlifting with a suit on yeah. so there's benefits to using it, uh, but it takes a while to get used to actually using it. So, if, if, man, if, if I pull 360 without a suit at uh, the Ireland's, I'll do a backflip. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> um, what is the training demands difference? The difference in your training now, seeing you've kind of switched away from bodybuilding and went towards strongman, what do you see the difference in your training is now? Training, training's. Uh, I was going to say harder, but they're both hard. Like, I think it's, training is just so different for strongman than as bodybuilding. Like, bodybuilding, you're focusing a lot on hypertrophy and stimulating muscle growth and, uh, you know, such a variation of heavy reps, you know, high reps with high volume and slow reps and stuff like that. Where a strongman, strongman's, like, if you go in for a bodybuilding session and say you're just tired and you're sore and you just don't really feel like lifting heavy stuff, you can, you can still get a good session and still do yeah. what you need to do. Or strong man, like if you go into the gym and you're tired and you're not recovered, like you you might as well just go home because you have to be recovered and you have to be ready to lift some heavy shit. 
because even the stuff that's for wraps and stuff is still heavy, like it's still still ridiculous weight. Uh, it took a it took a long time for me. I'm still, I'm still actually getting used to the changeover because from years of bodybuilding, all my movements were based on hypertrophy, so lifting slow and lifting with good form. We're strong, man. Like the, the technique to certain lifts is totally different. Like say, for example, an overhead press. Yeah. Like at the, at the moment, I'm working with an Olympic lifter, trying to work on my technique because as a bodybuilder, you're just used to just using your shoulders only. So trying to introduce a full movement of legs. So like a proper clean and a jerk above your head is so different than just a you know sitting dumbbell pressing you know dumbbell. So and then the training and sense like a bodybuilding session, your training's done like an hour. Or strongman sessions, if I do an event in a day, man, I take like two hours to get a session done. It's because you're having to give yourself enough recovery between your set stacks to be able to perform. So it's 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 a lot different. Um, now you're pretty open on social media about everything, and you usually do a Q and A once a week, and people ask you questions about training, uh, your personal life, and then drugs and all as well, don't you? Uh-huh. Now, um, seeing your switch from bodybuilding to strongman. Yeah. Did you change the drugs you were taking, or did you to do you still take keep taking the same ones you were taking for bodybuilding? No, you you do strongman. The the drug choices and the the, the drugs you used at the minute would be a lot different than not a lot different, but there, there's definitely different choices in respect to what I'd use for strongman because it's just all sort of strength based. It's different things to try and give me like a bit of a a bit of a strength boost. So. They'd be cycled off and on a lot more, so I wouldn't be on the drugs for as long as whereas a bodybuilding prep, you could be taking certain things for months on end. And then with bodybuilding, obviously, I played about before with like thyroid enhancers, growth hormone, you know, T3s, Computrol, all that sort of stuff. Whereas in the strongman, that stuff's not really necessary. And as I say, I don't know what all strongman use or all our bodybuilders use. I'm going to speak for what I use. Like, and I, per- yeah. I personally feel what I do at the minute is a lot more. There's a lot less, a lot less health risks to the stuff I take at the minute, and it's, you know, it's a lot less sore on my body. But strongman training wise, is there's a higher risk in injury in strongman uh, than would there be what would there be in bodybuilding? Uh, 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 I suppose so. Why? Uh, but the, depends how you train as a bodybuilder. Like even when I bodybuilder, I st- like I went down and trained really heavy. Like I st- I've always just enjoyed lifting heavy stuff. Like even I remember before like. Having videos on Instagram like two weeks out of my show, dumbbell pressing seventy kilos, and Brian, my coach at the time, ringing me saying, "What the fuck are you doing? You're going to tear a pack two weeks out of my show. What are you pressing seventies for?" And I was just like, "Yeah, uh, for fun, like it's good crack." Uh, but in the sense, obviously, strongman, I, there's probably there's a lot more risk because, like, I suppose even at the Europe, Sarah sandbag torn around to my ankle. Uh, man, there's like, a, yeah, a, I remember. Yeah. Fell on top again, snapped his leg. So I suppose I. There's definitely you can definitely do a lot more damage, I think, because it's like a performance sport. You're giving your all. Uh, so, Matthew, you see on social media where you try to get a lot of hate. Do you feel like when you put up posts, you'll have people talking about you or making posts about you, telling telling it just that your um, Instagram or Facebook posts are like bullshit or stuff like that? There, do you know what I mean? Like negative comments. Does that affect you? <coughs> uh, it's probably been quite a while since I've got a like a direct comment or direct insult on social media. I think since since I've became more popular or maybe I've became more successful, I'm not too sure. Um, but I know for a fact there are still people that will talk shit and put stories up or put all our posts up. But um, I don't really use social media to 
look at other people's stuff. There's about 10 or 15 people's stories on Instagram. I will view you at the very, very most. That's people like a close friends or people I look up to or people like will inspire me or just add value to my life with my day. Anybody who posts negative content, even if it's someone I've known for quite a while or a friend, I have removed people like that before. <clears throat> I just don't like that sort of negative energy on my page. So there's there's like there's a, a female PT a few weeks ago put up a rant uh, about me on her story and I don't even follow her and I don't even see it. And it was like three or four days later, one of my mates actually said to me, did you see what she put up with you all day? And I was all no. Uh, so if people do ranting going about it, you know, it doesn't doesn't faze me because like, I don't even see half the stuff. But I'm just not into that sort of thing because at the end of the day, it doesn't really do anything for like the person or their business if they're a PT or whatever. Like putting, like I've, I've done it before. I've had rants about people before or been negative towards someone else. I've just sort of grown out of that and matured because it doesn't benefit me directly. It doesn't benefit my business. It doesn't put money in my pocket and it's not going to help me Get any more clients or one trophies or whatever like so it's I, I don't I don't really get much uh I, I want to drop but there's really get much drink. uh and if there's anything I do get I just ignore it or I just don't fucking say it at all. And you've accomplished a lot in your bodybuilding career and now you're transitioning to strongman career. What do you think is your uh uh-huh. lowest of lows? Like what what is it that like you can is there any uh, competitions you competed in, which you thought you put 100% and didn't, should have won? Um, I don't think, uh, I, well, the Saxon Classic a few years ago, um, like I put my heart and soul into that prep, literally signed myself out of hospital to go and do the show. I ended up really, really sick that year. Uh, was rushed to hospital in ambulance. Uh, whatever happened, happened. Signed myself out of hospital. Flew over, done the show. Uh, when I went back to the gym the day after I sent myself out, the guys in the gym, the guy that was coaching me, said, "There's no way are you going to be able to do this show? Like you look terrible." And I was like, "Mate, I'm doing this fucking show. Watch me." And I water loaded and managed my diet and did whatever I did all week, all by myself. Uh, I woke up as dry as a bone that day. Looked really, really well. Uh, got on stage and got fucking robbed. Like the guys that all pissed above me uh, were coached by the two head judges. And then one of the guys went on like a week or two later to want a fucking physique show. So how you go from doing placing second and bodybuilding and one of the physique shows fucking beyond me. Um, but I that's probably the so the only one time I would say I've ever been frustrated about a judge's decision. And there are top professionals and top coaches in the UK, people like even Jordan Peters uh, and stuff and Nathan Diasha commented in posts that were about the show and these private groups and bodybuilding. And the feedback I got from those guys was so nice for them to say I look great. And that it definitely should have, at least at the very, very worst place. Because the guy I placed first was, to be, to be fair, really good. <coughs> and then uh, another another time it was a hard pull to swallow. Not, not through anyone else's fault. They took a diuretic for the British finals. Uh, fucked my whole prep up with diuretic. Uh, looked like shit. Uh, should have did really well. Uh, didn't even make a top 10 because it looked so bad. Uh I just remember coming off stage. I, didn't even, I just took my medal off and threw it in the corner, left my stuff. Um, Dwight the Marina, my partner, she was in the auditorium at the big theatre we were at, and I mean, just crumbling in front of her in tears. Like, but you see, like, um, you mentioned federations here. It's just something I want to touch upon too, because I know it's a pile of bullshit, and I'm outside the community. Because for you to be successful, you need to uh, promote them within your their social media, tag them, posts and stories, and all. And if you don't do that, 
then you, yeah. you know, they will tell you that you're not going to play, so you're not going to do well. And I think that's a pile of shit because it's uh, how you look on the day. It's not how you promote that company. It's how you look. Do you feel like uh, that is a whole well, that federation? As all federations in Europe, did you think to do the same thing? They're the only ones I know of that do that. I think it probably does happens happens more than you think. I would say like everyone says they're fair, but uh, I think it depends who's on what judging panel and stuff. But like the WBFF, it's like a massive business, not just a federation. Like like those shows, like your man Paul Gillette that runs that show is worth millions. Like um, so and I know firsthand. I know people prep or sorry compete with WBFF, and they're great people. Like they're friends of mine, and they look great and whatever. But watching their stuff on social media is painful because they have to be so false and so fake uh, and just post shite. And there's one of my mates who went to compete with the months and specifically told us when he came back, they were told backstage, you know, get our tan on, buy our trunks, promote our stuff, have a good following, forget about competing with us. But then recently I had a had a friend there, I'm not naming him because he won't appreciate it. Uh, pick up, I know who it is as soon as I talk about it. He's, an, he's currently an IFBB pro. And he went recently to America yeah. to do his first pro show. Uh, it looked unreal. Uh, it made the top 10, but it should have placed a lot higher. But like the guy that won that category that day uh, has competed at the Olympia before, the Arnold's before. I think he's won a few shows before. And he's pretty, not not famous. Like he's famous as I'm obviously the men's physique world, obviously, and he's well known. And he looked fucking terrible that day. Should they, uh, it looked, it, it wouldn't even have won a fucking enough my show. It looked so bad. Uh like the guy I'm talking about looked great, but the thing is, like, even, say for example, I went this year and qualified yeah. for Mr. Olympia. Uh, regardless of how good and how big and how freaky I look, I'm never going to go over there and place above like Phil Heath and Rolly Winkler and fucking Cedric McMillan and stuff because those guys are famous and those are the guys people are coming to pay to watch because they're freaks in nature and they're on social media. They're full time bodybuilders, they look the way they look. Companies pay them wages, they're good for the AFBB. So some guy like me that comes out of nowhere is never going to go and win a major show like that, no matter how you look, because you sort of have to earn your yeah. stripes within the company or within the federation, which is wrong, but it's, fuck, it's just the way the things, things are. Definitely. So, Matthew, you know, in terms of, and I know a lot of the person you named had to go to America to compete. Uh-huh. Um, to see for sponsorships when I get there, do you use bodybuilders or even strongmen? Do you get sponsors? Um, to pay for stuff to get there? Well, I've got a few sponsorships for like supplements and my meat, my butchers, uh, which is a massive help. Uh, there are guys, obviously, as you get through the ranks, you can get financial sponsors and stuff. Uh, when that's when you're actually like a, a property big deal. You get in the wages from a company to represent the brand. But I have supplement needs, uh, give me a certain budget each month. For supplements, uh, Macatamis Butchers, same again, which is a massive help uh, because it saves me maybe 250 quite a month. And that's money I can use then to save for like travel costs or just, just to put on the other things like equipment and stuff. Yeah. Uh, now, there are like I see, I see people all the time getting sponsored from like local companies to help to get away for like, I don't know, big fights for big comps or whatever. But like last year and just recently, I've reached out to tons of local businesses in Derry. Uh, to try and see if they help uh, with travel costs because there's, there's a few competitions I've got this year are in England and in Europe and even two of them are in America. Uh, and last year, I couldn't go to World's Strongest Man just for the sheer fact that I basically couldn't afford it. 
me and my partner were going with the two kids to Disneyland Paris. So that would have cost a lot of money. So to get the world's strongest man in America would have been lower, maybe a couple of grand. Uh, and I reached out to like 10 local businesses, even ones I invest money in every week. Uh, not naming them, but not, not one of them even responded uh, to say yes or no. Uh, and I'm not crying about it. Do you, feel like the, nobody owes you. do you feel like the support within the community back home in Derry, do you feel like that's bad? Uh, it's, it's not going to come in here and say it's bad like because nobody owes you anything like it's up to me if I want to do strongman I have to pay for it and do, get my own way like it's one of those things but there's there's tons of guys I see like fighting is very popular in Derry so the kickboxing and MMA and stuff yeah. uh, and other sports and there's tons of guys I see every time they fight and it's not even big fights they're doing and they're getting money give them hand over fist uh, but the, like some of these guys go out and do their fight and then for the rest of the year they do fuck all they promote anything about health and fitness uh, and the stuff on the social media isn't really if I was a businessman I wouldn't be wanting these people representing my brand whereas someone like me or and not just me anybody else uh, that's that's good positive decent content on social media uh, doesn't get sponsored in. but as I say I'm not crying about it because you know nobody owes you nothing but it's just frustrating you see people like that getting sponsored to, to do this that and other thing and you reach out to so many companies that you actually invest time and money in every week anyway like buying their clothes buying their stuff investing their food and they can't even open a message to say yes or no if they're going to help you yeah and, and I said too did you you said you were out to local businesses is that just businesses within dairy or is that like Businesses as far as just business, business on dairy because like the way it is when you get sponsored. So Mac family spon- sponsor me uh, for my meat. I've got forty personal training online clients that'll invest in their products. So my clients all go to that butchers and buy their stuff. People in the gym because of me now go to that butchers and buy their stuff. Same as supplement needs. My clients all buy their stuff. My social media followers buy their stuff. So it's like you scratch my bag, I'll scratch your sort of things. So they they benefit from it as much as me, maybe even more. So as I'm saying, it's I reach out to local businesses because it's businesses I can help in return. I'm not going to write to some company down in Dublin and ask them to give me free stuff or fucking give me cash to go somewhere because I can't really do anything to return the favour. Whereas if someone locally can help me and support me or promote me, I can offer them something in return. Like my clients will invest in your brand. I will advertise your brand, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to, you have to really give something in return for what you're receiving. Yeah. See, in terms of sponsors, do you see what supplement needs? And uh-huh. am I right saying Strength Shop UK? Strength Shop also sponsor yeah. me, yes. They sponsor me equipment for a strongman, yes. So like sleeves, belts. And then they also give me big discounts and like bars and different equipment and stuff, which helps a lot for training. You see companies that got there go to stands, such as like Irish Muscle Power. Have you ever been to a stand or anything for these companies? No, I haven't, I haven't been there yet. Uh like, I don't even know if something needs, don't think something needs to even have a stand like body power and stuff. I know Strength Shop do, uh, but I've never actually seen Strength Shop with athletes at stands as such. Um, <coughs> but no, it's not something I've done as of yet, anyway. Is it something that you would like to do? Yeah, well, if, if a brand wanted me to you know, be at their stand at body power, Irish muscle power, it's a great way to meet new people. Uh, a great way, again, to get your name out there. Uh, and again, it's doing something in return for a band that's good enough to help me in my career but it's just nice when you even to go to them events to compete or just to be a spectator it's nice to communicate and meet like-minded people and see people you haven't seen in a while and just just you know talk and be in the same level as people that have the same goals as you it's just nice to be around those sort of people meet new people and you never know what something like that what sort of opportunity can arise and being just around the right person at the right time that's true it's very true um 
this year. I know you've got uh, Ireland's strongest man coming up. We touched upon that. And you've got now uh-huh. the, you know, a few, well, the world's strongest man. Um, yeah. What is your goals for this year? Is there any specific goals or anything you want to work towards? <coughs> Uh, <coughs> next few months are really busy for me. Um, obviously, twenty seventh, twenty eighth of April, have Ireland's strongest man. Don't really expect a whole massive pile from that. First time competing in the open open category at such a high standard, but I feel like I'm, I can really push for top five or top six if I have a good performance. But main goals then after that are body power and Ireland's strongest man under one hundred five. Like I really, really, really want to win the Ireland's one hundred fives this year. And then end of June, got the Irish deadlift and log championship. Uh, want to break my record again and won the deadlift. Uh, maybe if I can get my log up, I can get a combined total, decent number, and won the pound for pound overall. Who knows? Uh, and then obviously progress through the Europe's and world's strongest man again. And then at, towards the end of the year in September, I uh, have packed a date for another bodybuilding show. So I'll be competing in bodybuilding again this year. Uh, I've sort of started working towards that learning the background of strongman, but once once these comps are over uh, in June, we'll be getting stuck in the full bone prep mode again for an all bodybuilding show. Quite a big show as well. Uh, I'm not going to name it just now, but uh, it's quite a quite a big show. Uh, so we'll be working towards that this summer. I'll be looking out in your social media nights. I know you'll announce it very soon after the probably Ireland to say will be after all Europe's. Well. Uh, the guy that's prepped me wants me wants me to announce it now because it's such a big show, like. But I don't, I don't know. Usually I'm very vocal on social media, but I don't really know if I want the. I don't know. Bodybuilding competitions and preps are so much different than strongman. Uh, I don't really know if I want the attention and the fuss made just so soon. So just maybe wait keep and, things quiet. Yeah, wait until all your strongman competitions are over and then drop it. One, one, one thing at a time. Yeah, and um, can you hear me? Yeah, sweet. sweet. Yeah. Thought I cut out there as a fox. Two last questions. <coughs> uh, Matthew, just before we finish up now, I have two last questions I want to just uh, get from me. The first, first one, Grace, mm-hmm. say if people came to you, uh, they wanted to prep for a show, and uh, what what is your thoughts on people? Uh-huh. For example, I'll use myself as an example. If I came to you as a teenager, which not, but if I came to you as a teenager and asked, Oh, Matthew, can you prep me for a show? I want to take. I want to take drugs. I want to look massive. I want to do this here. What would your thoughts be? Would you kind of push them towards the supplement juice and prepping for a show, or would you just tell me fuck off, basically? No, if someone if someone comes to me and they've been training, if obviously they've been training quite a while and they're in decent shape, and they've got potential to do do this, um, if somebody is really adamant they want to do this, I'll always help them. Uh, as for the steroid use, I started using steroids as a teenager, as a gay teen or 19. Massive regret. Looking back now, I would have started a lot later in life. But if someone comes to me and they're a teenager, I'll sit down and talk with them first of all, make them aware of what lies ahead in respect of the drug use, the side effects, the health effects, how bodybuilding is going to affect their life, their social life, family life. Everything just really uh, make them aware of all that, and if they're happy enough to continue, I'll help them because rather than rather than send someone on their way, uh, if usually especially a young young teenage man full of natural testosterone who thinks he's a Hulk, he's probably going to go and do it anyway. So even if I tell him no, he'll probably do it anyway. So I'd rather have someone do it under my guidance. Yeah. 
rather than someone would go away and be reckless. Like I was when I was 18 or 19, I just took a bit of this and a bit of that. Just told whatever the guy told me who was selling me the stuff or the biggest guy in the gym. Looking back now, them guys didn't have a clue what they were doing. And so I, I'd rather help someone and keep them healthy rather than someone just go and be reckless and damage their health. You, you'd, you'd rather help <coughs> someone than tell them, Kennedy, if you tell me fuck off, you know they're going to do it anyway and they'll probably end up fucked. I'd rather, rather help them, but if, if somebody comes to me as a teenager, wants to take steroids and wants to do this and that, the best the best outcome of my conversation with them would be for them to decide not to do it, stay natural and enjoy training for as long as they can naturally, have good food, have good supplements, train hard and try and stay away from that for as long as possible. That would be the best possible outcome from that scenario. But if they're adamant they were going to do it anyway, I would rather help them do it properly. Now, you said that you regret taking them so young. Why is that? What effect have they had in your life? The younger you start taking those sort of things, like the less they're going to benefit you as you get older. The longer you're taking them, obviously your body builds up like, like an immunity, not an immunity to them, but your body just you know develops like resistance towards certain different compounds. And like, So the longer you're using them, the more you're going to have to take them to get the same benefits from them. Uh, and then at the start, like when I first started taking them, man, I was so young and I get like really terrible acne, uh, mood swings, like bad tempers. Man, there's times my fucking my dick wouldn't work and just just stupid shit, stuff you don't want to be happening when you're 19 or 20 years old, uh, and you're trying to make girls and stuff. Like the side effects, you just can't handle at that age. Uh, and then, but the major thing being the amounts I have to take now are a lot because I've started so early. Well, not a lot, but I didn't benefit from small dosages as much as I should have before I started progressing through the more hardcore drugs at bigger dosages. So obviously the, the risk the risk to my health taking more is far greater now than it would have been if I would have cycled properly and educated myself properly and started using them a bit later on in life. Yeah, like I know from myself, from experience too, and from other people's experience on how they affected them when they took it. But uh-huh. for someone to take it so young and they have so many side effects um, before you actually reach your full, full potential in the bodybuilding. Yeah. It's kind of uh-huh. bad in that sense. It's a lot to deal with that age too. Like, as I said, like when I was like 18 and 19, I, I had acne anyway as a, as a teenager. So obviously, take anabolic steroids is going to just make that worse. Uh, and it did. Like, like really, so bad, I ended up with like, pretty bad depression. I had to go to a skin doctor and get prescribed Roaccutane. Like, I used to cry myself to sleep at night, because not for the fact I was upset, but for the fact that like, I had spots in my back that were just so sore. And on my arms, I couldn't. I literally could not sleep at night because I was in so much pain. And then like they got so bad, I, I wouldn't even go to the gym anymore because I was so insecure about how I looked and people would stare. And looking back, it was disgusting. Like, and even still to this day, I've got scars across my back and my shoulders. I've got a full back piece tattooed for the sheer fact that my scar on so bad. Uh, and then the Roaccutane you take affects your mental health so bad. The main side effect from that is mental health and depression. Uh, and that fucked me up. But it got so bad, I ended up just stopping taking steroids for a full year and stopped going to the gym. I was just that, that miserable about it all. Uh, but the tablets helped. Uh, I don't, thankfully, I don't get spots anymore. Oh, that's good. I must have messed and something like that then. <laughs> um, one last question before we finish off this podcast, Matthew. What What would you uh-huh. like to be remembered for? Uh, from like a career perspective a, or a career, like a, what, a what do you mean? Perspective. What would you like to be remembered for? If there's one thing that people remember you for and your career, what would you like it to be? 
the only person, not the only person, maybe the first person that I know of anyway, that was Ireland's strongest man and won a major bodybuilding title in the same year. Because loads of people keep telling me that I can't do it, and I'm fucking doing it. I, you you so, could even do it. You, you uh, could do it this year. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's one thing. Uh, I that's probably it. You you could win the major bodybuilding show next year. Next year, this the end of this year after you won the Ireland. So you you have it's definitely doable. Uh, if I don't do it this year, I'll do it some year. It's definitely going to happen sometime. Exactly. And the more people tell me that it can't happen, the more it's going to does fucking it, happen. Does that push you on? People telling you you can't do it? I uh, big time. Should push it. Well, I think everyone's different. Like some people, if some people get put down, they'll take it like a bitch and cry about it. Uh, if someone puts me down or tells me I can't do something or I won't do it, I'll go away and think, no, fuck you. It's, I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another episode of K-Dog Talks. Before you finish, Matthew, is there anything that you want to say? Or do you want to plug your, any of your social medias or anything before you finish? Yeah, just give me a follow on Instagram at mkfitness93. I'm on Facebook, I don't use it too much, uh, and YouTube as well. I've started putting a bit of content on my YouTube channel again. That's mkfitness. Uh, just thanks, Tiernan, for having me on. I hope you all enjoy it what I said and what we talked about. Hopefully you can take something away from it. Maybe motivational or educational, whatever. But I um, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Definitely thank educational you. for me anyway. Uh thank you for or I was gonna say thank you for watching. Thank you for listening folks and I will see you next week.